You're listening to a sermon podcast from Agape Baptist Church, recorded live from our Sunday service. Good morning, Church. This morning's scripture reading is taken from John chapter 4, verses 46 to 54. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, Come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he himself believed and all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Christina. Good morning, church. The Lord bless you. All right. Uh, so uh, this morning, uh, we are beginning a three-part sermon series uh, from the book of John. Okay? And uh, our goal is to get to know uh, Jesus better. Uh, and I'm going to unpack uh, the stories from uh, three of the seven miracles uh, that's recorded in the, in the book of John. And uh, so if you remember, it's a good test, uh, last year, I preached... Uh, on the first miracle, where uh, Jesus turned water into wine. Uh, and also I preach on the, uh, the last miracle, the seven, uh, where Jesus brought uh, Lazarus out of the tomb, uh, who had been dead for four days. Now, each miracle in the book of John uh, is meant to be a sign uh, for his ministry on earth. Okay, so a sign is something that points to something else. Right? It's not the end of it. It's something else that you should be uh, looking at. So uh, these miracles are meant to reveal who Jesus is and what he's all about. Now, the Apostle John uh, actually uh, writes a purpose statement about these signs in uh, chapter, uh, John chapter 20, uh, verses uh, 30 to 31. And this is what he says. Now, Jesus did many other signs. In the presence of the disciples, meaning that only seven re- recorded. There are many, many other signs he had performed. Uh, verse 31, but these are written, the seven, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So purpose for the signs, right? So everything that Jesus did, uh, including these signs, are meant for us to believe Him uh, so that we may have eternal life in His name. There is no other way to have 
yeah, eternal life apart from the name of Jesus. So we'll see how this plays out in uh, this particular sign today. Um, and we will follow Jesus to Galilee. Uh, this is the same place where he turned water uh, into wine uh, in the first miracle. And this is where he meets a desperate father with a dying son, a, dying, a very young son, apparently. So next Sunday, uh, we will see Jesus visiting a, uh, an invalid man who has not been able to walk for 38 years, and he went looking for him. And then finally, the third sermon, uh, we will see Jesus feeding a large crowd of hungry followers, all right? So through each of these encounters, uh, we will see the portrait of Jesus becoming a little bit more complete. You can see the portrait a little bit clearer, okay? And, uh, and one of the things that we will see is that Jesus is fully God, but also fully human. And as a result, uh, not only he is able to relate to all the problems that we are encountering, he's not far, far away. He's a human, fully human being. Everything that we encounter, joy and sorrow, he can relate, okay? And also at the same time, because he is God, he is the solution to all of our problems, all right? So one of the um, universal human struggles is uh, sickness and eventually leading to death, right? Uh, last Sunday, we heard about death on uh, Easter Sunday, followed by resurrection. Uh, but so uh, this is something that none of us can escape. Now, you can, uh, uh, you can do things to minimize the possibility of uh, sickness, eat healthy food, healthy lifestyle, and so on. Uh, you may even be able to delay uh, death, right? But you cannot escape it. One day, tragedy, tragedy will come knocking on your door, and you have to open the door, and that's the end, right? Now, sometimes people say that, it is more painful to watch a loved one waste away than going through that themselves, right? So uh, uh, maybe it's, uh, you wish that uh, you can trade places with the one that you love. And last Sunday, we uh, have heard about the painful journey uh, that uh, Maria went through with Kai, and uh, she gave testimony to, uh, uh, to God, even through that extremely painful journey. And Maria watched her beloved husband, late husband Kai, uh, being ravaged by cancer and eventually die, right? And praise God uh, that God has been with her and uh, she is still uh, worshiping God, right? Now, so in today's scripture, we see a uh, father encountering the same kind of agony in his life. One moment, everything was great. And the next moment, He's watching his son's life slipping away to the point of death. So he embarks on a journey of faith towards Jesus, all right? So uh, we're going we're gonna to follow the, uh, uh, the journey of faith of this father uh, in uh, three steps. First, the, his desperate plea for help. Okay, secondly, the unexpected responses from Jesus. And then thirdly, the healing beyond sickness, okay? Desperate plea of a father, the unexpected responses from Jesus, and then the, uh, the healing beyond, beyond sickness, okay? So uh, 
Let's start with the uh, desperate plea for help. Okay, this is, uh, the story begins when uh, Jesus uh, went to uh, Cana in Galilee. Uh, verses 46 to 47, so he came again, referring to Jesus, to Cana in Galilee, where he had made water wine. And at Capernaum, uh, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So this father is desperate. His, di his young son is getting sicker and sicker, and he can be, die he will be, can, can be dead at any moment. So first of all, what do we know about this father? Okay, we, uh, the scripture says that he is an official, right? Uh, and uh, the commentator says that he is a, uh, a royal official, probably working for um, uh, King Herod, uh, the one who had John the Baptist beheaded, beheaded eventually. And so this uh, royal official is someone who had uh, some amount of, of influence and power, and uh, probably also... Uh, uh, quite wealthy as well, okay? So uh, he's a man of wealth, he's a man of power. So two things that we can uh, say about the limitation of uh, power and wealth for this uh, man and also for, for all of us, okay? Uh, first of all, power and wealth cannot shield this man from tragedy. It's the same for us. Power and wealth cannot shield us from, uh, uh, from uh, tragedy. So certainly this royal official, uh, his son is uh, probably better fed and better cared for than the average child uh, in his time. Uh, but tragedy does not discriminate. Uh, it is the same for us. There's nothing we can do to shield ourselves from the brokenness of this world, right? Except that God is our shield and our fortress, right? So, and then the second thing we can... Uh, uh, we can uh, be reminded about power and, uh, and wealth, is that power and wealth are unable to save his son. Okay? He has all the power. He can have all the wealth. It's nothing uh, for the moment of desper desperation. So as the condition of his son gets worse and worse, you can imagine that this man has tried all the known options, right? He has gone to the doctors he knows, he's gone for advice that he knows, he's tried everything, but nothing seems to be working. And Jesus clearly uh, was not his first option, okay? Jesus is his very, very last option. So when you're desperate, actually, when you're desperate, you're willing to try just about anything, right? You're hoping that something will work, you try everything else. So in the moment of desperation, uh, I want to first bring you a warning, okay? Uh, that, that is, if your desperation makes your problem bigger than God, there is danger ahead, okay? Your problem becomes bigger than God, there is danger ahead. So you don't want to jump from one fire to another, do you, because you're desperate? You want to make sure that you get to a better place because desperate people will take desperate measures, right? And desperate measures 
are foolish and ultimately self-destructive. Now, how is that? The Bible tells us the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord because wisdom helps us navigate the complexity of life well to make the right choices. But when you are desperate, you are fearing something other than God. Maybe you fear losing a loved one like this father. Maybe you fear loneliness. Maybe you fear financial lack. Maybe you fear of losing faith or being rejected. The list goes on. So ask yourself this morning, what fear is driving you to take certain action, to go a certain way? People, apart from the fear of the Lord, all other fears will send you down the path of foolishness. You may be driving down on the wrong street of the road, seeing all the other road go, passing by, and you're cursing all the other drivers. What's wrong with all these guys? Not realizing you are the one going around the wrong path. Right? So uh, Prophet Jeremiah reminds us in uh, verse, uh, chapter 17, verse 9, I think many of you know this verse, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So in your desperation, your heart, if it's not connected to God, will send you down a path of foolishness. Do you think you can understand your heart in that moment? So people, let your heart be directed by the fear of the Lord and seek godly counsel from other people who can see better. They are driving the other side wondering why you are going wrong the wrong, wrong direction. Only you cannot see it. Okay? Now, secondly, I also want to give you hope in your desperation. All right? And if your desperation drives you to Jesus, there is hope ahead. Okay? In your desperation, if you are turning to Jesus, there is hope. Now, this is, what happening, this is what's happening to this father. He has not found anything or anyone that can solve his problem. So he decided to try Jesus. You don't know, we don't know how he heard about Jesus. Uh, maybe one of his friends, maybe another official told him about all the stories that were circulating uh, around the time. And uh, so you can see the importance of someone hearing about Jesus, right? So it is the same for us. We should be telling people about Jesus as much as possible, far and wide. So last, uh, last uh, Friday, the ladies had an uh, exercise, they called it Pilates under the moon, I think. Uh, is it? Or under the stars, Pilates under the stars, right? <laughs> Sorry. And, uh, and, uh, and then they, they had great fun. And then they have some, some uh, people that are not from our church. And I think there was even one lady just uh, walked up and joined them. And, uh, and these are opportunities for us to connect to people. Uh, that are not in our church and are not believers. And then uh, yesterday afternoon, the uh, Agape Guys Ministry had a barbecue by the beach, uh, and uh, different people invited friends. Okay, there were probably uh, seven or eight, maybe ten uh, non-believers. Okay, and uh, and many, some of them are not. Many of them are not from our church, right? So these are the things that we can do uh, to help pe so that people can hear about the name of Jesus. 
Now, some of us actually have heard about the name of Jesus, uh, but have not seen the need to go to him because your life has been good. Uh, why do I need Jesus? Okay, so let me ask you, okay, if that's who you are, you heard about Jesus, have not gone to him, go to him before a crisis hits, okay? Go to him before a crisis hits. Sometimes a crisis can hit and it will be too late to go to him. And why not let that be today? So, um, so for this man, he heard about Jesus and he had put his tiny newfound faith into action. Okay, faith requires action. So for him, he decided to go from Capernaum to Galilee to find Jesus, all right? And that's a journey of uh, about 26 uh, kilometers. That's about a distance from, uh, from uh, Woodlands all the way down to the southern part of Santosa Island. Uh, it would have taken this man about four to five hours to take the journey. Um, and uh, you notice that he was going by himself, okay? He's, uh, he's got servants. He didn't send a servant and say, you go bring Jesus to me. He went to Jesus, okay? That's the posture we need to take when we seek Jesus. He's the king, okay? Now, so this is what we see in uh, verse 47. And when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down to heal his son, for he was at the point of death. He went to Jesus, come down, heal my son. I have no other option but you. So people, whenever you need help, our God knows that many, many times we all need help, right? Turn to Jesus. And then you must approach him personally. You, you cannot seek him through your parents, through your friends, through your spouse, or even through your pastors. Uh, this is between you and Jesus whenever you need help, all right? And then secondly, the unexpected responses from Jesus. Okay, let's see uh, what Jesus does uh, with this simple request uh, to come down to, to his house and heal his son. And this is what Jesus says in verse 48. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. What? What is this? The man pleaded him desperately. How can he talk like this? What's the meaning of this? Uh, it, it, it doesn't even seem nice and polite, uh, does it? And, and uh, so there, there are other times Jesus responds to requests uh, differently. And uh, sometimes he responds immediately. Like the man, the a leprous man that uh, went to Jesus and said, uh, uh, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus says, I will. Touched him and his leprosy was gone, right, immediately. And then sometimes he goes looking for people who need help and they don't even know him. Like the, like the man who's invalid for 38 years, which we will dive into uh, next Sunday. And then, but sometimes he does push back, like in this case. Okay, he doesn't do that immediately. Uh, like in the first uh, miracle when, uh, when his mother went to Jesus, say, uh, uh, son, uh, we are running out of wine. And Jesus says, uh, woman, why, why does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Okay, so there's a variety of response uh, from Jesus at different situations. Now, why is that? 
The answer is that it's always love. For the love of Christ, he knows what everyone needs at that moment, so he responds differently. So in this case, he answers this way, why you will not believe unless you see signs and wonders, because out of love, he wants to bring this man to another place. Now, how do we, how do we feel love from Christ? Usually, we act more like spoiled children. We want him to, we want him to give us what we want, uh, at the moment that we want. We want him to be like a genie in the, mo- in the bottle. Just do it. Don't ask questions. Right? Uh, so when, when Jesus does not behave that way, we, we think he doesn't love us. Right? But because he loves us, if you're a parent, you know that. Because you love your children, you don't always do exactly what they ask for. Sometimes you do, but sometimes you don't. Okay, so, some, so let me show you how Jesus is loving this man with this particular response. You see, this man, he doesn't really know much about Jesus. All he knows is that Jesus is someone who does miracles. And all he's thinking about, okay, maybe I go to him, he will do a miracle, and my son will be healed, and we can go on our way. Right? He's not looking for a relationship with Jesus. He has no idea who, who Jesus is. So Jesus is trying to draw him in. He's trying, to, he's trying to test the faith, the little bit of faith that this man had to come see him. He wants this man to come to him for him. Come to Jesus for who Jesus is, not for what he can do for him. Not for, come to Jesus as God, not as a miracle man who does magic, Right? So, uh, so, so that's why he, he says this. He wants to know. He wants to draw this man along his journey so that he will know he is his savior, not only for him and for his entire family. So will this father believe Jesus without seeing signs and wonders? Okay, let's look. So good thing he presses on. He's not uh, turned away. He doesn't get upset. He doesn't say, okay you, okay, you talk like this. You know who I am. You're a carpenter. I'm a royal official. Who do you think I am? So forget about you. I go look for somewhere else. Right? Good thing for this father, he doesn't behave that way. He asks Jesus again, respectfully. 49, <clears throat> verse 49 and beginning of 50. Uh, the official said to him, sir. Come down before my child dies. And then to which Jesus says, Go. Your son will live. Okay, so what do you think of that response from Jesus? Go. Your son will live. Is that assuring to you? Is this like, wow, great. I got what I need. Jesus is good. Actually, if you think about it, this is not a good response. Because the man has been pleading, begging Jesus, Lord, come to my house. Come down to my house to heal my son. He wants Jesus to walk with him all the way back home to heal him. He thinks that's the only way Jesus can do his healing. There's no other way. You must come with me. Right? So when Jesus says, go, your son will live, he's basically saying, yeah, I know your son is dying, 
I know you want me to come down to your house, but I'm not going with you. Go. Your son will live. Now, if you were the father, would you find these words assuring to you? I'm not sure about you. I think I would be worried, right? What if I go home and my son is not healed? Would I be able to find Jesus again? Would I still look for him, actually? And if I have to look for something else, uh, will my son last long enough to find something who can help him? Right? That might be some of these questions and doubts. And, um, but Jesus yet is making this amazing claim with these five words. Go, your son will live. You see, no one in the history of mankind can ever, has ever made anything happen with just words, right? If you're a boss, you tell your subordinates to go, do this and do that. They have to go and do that. They form a team and they, they, they assemble, uh, they come up with a project plan and then they have to make things happen, right? You can't say that, go, make this happen, build a new house, and just happen, right? So now when Jesus said, go, your son will live, he is claiming that he has God-like power to heal with just words, nothing but words. It is the same power that God displayed when he created the world in the book of Genesis, right? Let there be light, and there was light. And there wasn't a big army of engineers jumping into action and make, do all these things and then make light shine. Let there be light. No human work and light was there. Now, if my wife says, uh, Taishin, let there be light, I have to ask, which light? And then I have to walk to the room, across the room, flip the light switch, and then it happens, right? So for human, nothing happens without someone doing something. Yeah, sometimes we do talk like that in my family. Um, now, if a human says these five words, your son will live. It will be useless, empty words, right? You will be disgusted. This guy is wasting my time, telling me fully jokes. He doesn't have take my situation seriously, right? You get insulted. However, if Jesus is God, everything changes. God has declared, actually, in Isaiah uh, chapter 55, verse 11, it says that his words shall not return to him empty, it shall accomplish that which he purposes and shall succeed in the thing for which he sent. So in this particular moment, Jesus is claiming what Isaiah says, becoming a reality, right? So how does this father respond? Okay, we can think that we are, we are filled with doubt and all of that, uh, but he, uh, the, he responds this way, the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went on his way. He doesn't beg anymore. Would you consider coming to my house again? He just left. He took his word and left, right? The Bible doesn't say the man was troubled and he went his way. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and went his way. Now, 
you have heard the saying that seeing is believing, right? If you can see something, you believe. Because people tell you all kinds of stories. There are tall stories, there are a lot of misinformation, and so on. You can't tell what is true or what is not true. You see it for yourself that you believe, right? Now, but spiritual things, the order is reversed. For spiritual things, believing is seeing. First you believe, and then you see. For this man, he believes the word of God, of Jesus. Later he will see the healing of his son. That is the way of God. Why right? always start with faith, to believe. When you believe, and you will see his hand working. If you take the leap of faith, you will see the hand of God. Okay? That is always the case. So we can see that God is directing the faith journey of this man. He went from someone that had heard about Jesus, completely indifferent about who this Jesus is, to someone who believed in the word of Jesus. Right? He has been transformed. And his desperation and, uh, and anxiety for the, the near-death condition of his son has been replaced at this moment by a divine, divine peace in the middle of the biggest storm in his life. Do you want this kind of peace too? When you are in your crisis, believe in the Word of God. Okay? His Word is true. His Word has power and walk by faith and not by sight. Believe and you will see. And thirdly, the healing beyond sickness. As the father was going on his way home, he was greeted with good news. The sermon, his servants come to meet him and says that your son is recovering. Okay? And his first response is this. So he asked them, he asked his sermon, the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday, the seventh hour, which means about 1 p.m., the fever left him. The father knew that that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed, and all his household. Okay? So now this man confirmed what he believed is really, really true. Right? And he can say to himself, the word of Jesus is true. His word is incredibly powerful. His assurance is trustworthy. Jesus loved me and my son. He wasn't just blowing me off to ask me to leave and go home. He is truly my God. This man's faith has turned into saving faith. He is my God. He loves me. Now, apparently, the recovery, uh, the recovery of this boy was dramatic because the servants were able to identify the moment that his recovery began, right? Remember, when he left, he knew that his, his son was at the point of death, right? That's what he said. And uh, so you can imagine his son was lying on the bed, uh, getting weaker and weaker by the moment, and every breath he took, 
could, could have been his last breath, and his mother was there, the servant was in the room, and they were all worried, they were just uh, uh, feeling hopeless, and feeling helpless, there's nothing they can do. Uh, you know, I don't know, do you know that sinking feeling when, when things are getting worse and worse, and there's nothing you can do about it? Okay, I believe that's how they were all feeling that day, that morning, right? But suddenly, at 1 p.m., the boy opens his eyes. He looks around, mother, he looks at his servants, make eye contact, and then maybe, maybe he even sat up on the bed. Uh, maybe they talk to him, he can answer. Uh, perhaps he even took a few steps before he, before he uh, sat down again. And can you imagine that moment at 1 p.m.? They look at it. Wow. Oh, look at him. Look at him. He's alive. He's going to be okay. Right? And so, so I think there will be like, like cheers. Wow. Look, look at him. Right? And there will be amazement. There will be, uh, there will be uh, hugging. Uh, there will be happiness. And, uh, and then the, the, the sad moment in, in that room uh, has been replaced with a moment of, of small celebration. Right? That's kind of what I can imagine. Sorrow had turned to joy. And the question that might have come to the, into their mind at that moment is, gee, what happened? Who did this? No one was here except all of us who were completely helpless and hopeless. And the father returned, joined the family, and the rest of the family, and told them, Jesus happened. Jesus did all this. He said, my son would live. At the very hour, he witnessed his transformation. And instantly, everyone who heard this, everything made sense. Yeah, no wonder. Jesus he is the one. So the father and his entire household, he may have other, other children, but he had servants, other people in there. They all believe the word that Christ, that Jesus is Christ. Jesus is Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, they have life in his name. Salvation had come upon this family. And salvation is awaiting for all of us. See, the mission of Jesus is much more than saving us from our physical sickness, like this boy. His mission is to save our souls. This, this boy's sickness turned into salvation of his father, salvation of his entire household. Right? So in your in your crisis, in your difficulties, it is a moment that God is using to bring salvation into that situation. Never think that God has abandoned you. He has not. He is engineering a plan of salvation for you and for those around you. So this father did not lose his son because God lost his son. This father wanted to save his son, and his son lives. But God the Father wanted to save us, 
So his son died. God could not save us and save his own son because justice demands payment for our sins. Either we pay or someone else pays. So God sent Jesus to satisfy the payment on our behalf. Jesus died so we may live. So people, whatever problem that you are facing, go to Jesus. He can totally empathize with your problem. He will not laugh at you. He will not say that you're weak. He will not say that pain is nothing. He can empathize. Yes, when you go to him, he will take you on a journey. The journey may still be hard, like for this father. He didn't get what he wanted immediately. You may still face doubt. And you will not find that God will do exactly what you want. Like this father. Like this father. Jesus didn't do exactly what he wants. Because God's plan is always better than our plan. His way is higher than our way. He knows what is best. So in the end, you will find Jesus. He will come through. It's not because of the strength of your faith. It's not because of the quality of your faith. It is because Jesus. All you have to do is you just need to have enough faith, a little bit of faith to go to him. You don't have to be a man of faith like, wow, I trust in Jesus no matter what. Hellfire can come. The building can crush down. I believe in Jesus. You don't need to have that kind of supernatural faith to go to Jesus. Just enough faith to go to Him. And just enough faith to believe in His Word. So in closing, there's still one question that we haven't answered. Why did Apostle John seemingly connect this second miracle to the first miracle where Jesus turned water into wine? So we see this in uh, verse 48 and verse uh, 54, the beginning and at the end of the, today's scripture, 46. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made water wine, right? Made water wine. That's the first miracle. And the last verse, this was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had came down from Judea to Galilee. And Galilee is where he performed the first miracle. Why is that seemingly some connection? Well, so obviously John is trying to make that, tell us that these two miracles go hand in hand. They are not independent and isolated, right? So Jesus is showing that he is the Lord of joy at the wedding celebration, right? Everyone's celebrating. And he was there to make sure that the celebration doesn't end prematurely when they ran out of uh, wine. But at the same time, with the second miracle, Jesus is trying to tell us that he is also the Lord over sorrow and desperate situations. Sorrow, joy, whatever situation that we're in. The Lord is over all situations, everything, big or small. So, people, whatever you're facing, if it's joyful, invite Jesus in. He will multiply your joy. If it's sorrowful, 
He will comfort you. He will redeem your sorrow for good. And only God can do this kind of thing, right? Only God is able to turn our darkest moment to the brightest moment for His glory, right? Only God can turn our deepest pain into something that we can worship Him for, right? Only God can turn the worst thing that has ever happened in your life into the best thing for your life, all right? So I believe Jesus is showing us that He will turn our worst pain, our deepest sorrow, our most desperate situations into a celebration like the wedding feast. So in closing, the three things I want us to remember. When you're desperate for help, go to Jesus. He is willing and He is able. And trust Jesus to help you in His way, not your way. This father wanted Jesus to come down to his house. He thought that was the only way. Jesus said, no. I want to increase your faith, and I can heal with just my words. His ways, it will be different from your ways. Okay? And then thirdly, once you have received the help of Jesus, and it may come in ways that you are not expecting, tell others about it. Tell, about, tell others how Jesus helped you so that they may believe as well. Right? Many of you have gone through situations where God has come through in unbelievable ways and unexpected ways. Tell others about it. Okay? Everyone needs to hear the name of Jesus. Okay? Can we bow our head and pray? Father, we... Thank you for pursuing us and brought us into the saving faith of your Son. We ask that you also bring those who are on the beginning of their spiritual journey to Jesus. And God help us with our unbelief. Increase our faith in you and believe that Jesus is the only one and the best solution for all of our problems. For you are our God and we are your children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast. You can find more of our sermons online on our website at www.agape.org.sg.